Hey guys, this episode is brought to you by Sinusoid Pro Audio Couture, the great American cable company, making cables and smiles. Did I interrupt yep. something you were going to say, Steve? <laughs> no, I was actually going to like go negative, but I'll stay positive. Uh, when you support Sinusoid, you are supporting a small builder and their families. Oh, yeah. Several builders, I guess. I don't know how many. They have a lot of, cool, of them. They have a them. lot of cool employees that we've got to hang out with and become friends with. They're all really cool dudes, and I'm really looking forward to hanging out with them again at Winter Nam coming up here in like a week. Yeah. A week or two, something like that. Yep. Uh, it's always a fun time to hang out with them. I just still can't believe they came out to our 100th epi- 200th episode party. Uh, they're just really invested in what we do here on the show, and that's one of the reasons why you guys should invest in Sinusoid Cables. They're going to take really good care of you. Their product is fantastic. Uh, they chose us as much as we chose them. We were in a situation, uh, where we had done a couple sponsorships for them. And then another cable company came to us and was like, Hey, can we sponsorship through you? And there was nothing wrong with that cable company, but we liked working with sinusoids so much. Steve and I were both like, we would really love to keep doing work with sinusoid. Yeah. So we called them up at like the same time they were dialing us and we were like, Oh my gosh, I was just calling you. Let's be podcast boyfriend and girlfriends and go steady. <laughs> so that's what we've been for a long time now. I just really appreciate the guys over there. That was really long. Uh, <laughs> this next sponsorship uh, is from Walrus Audio. Yes, Walrus Audio, they have a new product out today. It's launching today on a Monday, which is perfect for us, which means I have a demo video up for it now. Uh, hopefully they haven't said that there's anything tricky about loading the videos, but they wanted to have everything dropped today is my understanding. Yep. Let's get this thing over here. I want to talk about it. This is the Walrus Audio Fathom Reverb. Yeah. There's a, I guess I would call it the ARP 87 format. It's definitely the same format as the ARP 87. Two momentary foot switches here. Uh, and you saw switches as well. Yeah. I mean, they're not momentary as far as the signal goes. Uh, but yeah, you've got decay, dampen, mix, X factor knob, which is really cool. It's just a different function for each different program setting uh-huh. on here. You have got, uh, shoot, I forgot <laughs> the designations of each thing here. Uh, but you've got H setting, P setting, L setting, and S setting. I know S is sonar, L is lo-fi, P is, what would P be for reverb? Plate. Plate. And H is Hall. Okay. Is, is that actually what they are? That's actually what they okay. are. I've remembered now. And then there's a three-position switch for three different levels of modulation. And, of course, you've got the second foot switch here that gives you momentary sustain. Nice. Which is really nice. It just maxes out the sustain if you need to do really cool. a big, long, like heavy reverb sound for a couple moments in your song and it just fills out great something i got to say about this and it sounds like a negative but it's honestly a positive i really admire that they didn't put a spring setting on here and just have another spring setting that would have to be like yeah it doesn't sound like a drippy (laughs) reverb i'm really glad that i don't have to say this about this pedal Uh, all the settings it does do sound really great it's got this really moody kind of modulated ambient sort of thing going on cool i really like the lo-fi i think that's my favorite so far uh the sonar setting is an octave setting so you can blend with the x knob you can blend from a low octave to a high octave and get some really nice sounds out of it also, there's the modulation in there. Walrus has already proven with the Julia and other pedals that they really understand modulation. So this thing just sounds great. It's going to look great next to my ARP 87, which has become a staple on my board. It's like a permanent delay on my board. I think this is going to have a nearly permanent place on my board for church playing at least. <laughs> Hey, Steve. Hey, Ryan. How are you doing, man? Good. This is not how we start the show. It is not. Uh, let's, uh, let's lean into it, though. Uh, what is this show, Steve? This show is CC Cycle Hum, the guitar, buying, selling, trading, modding, fixing, breaking, reviewing, playing podcast. You did it, except for you slurred podcast at the end. You said plodcast. I said plod. <laughs> this is a plodcast where we talk about plods of land and things around plods them. Plods of land? <laughs> 
That's a plot of land. It's similar to a plot. It's a little bit smaller and a little hilly. A pl- I was thinking. I, don't know. I was thinking a podcast is a podcast that you listen to while you walk slowly. Oh, because plotting is like yeah, okay. A turtle. A turtle. <laughs> are we gonna say any words right tonight? Nope. And what were we like a bunch of toddlers in here? Oh, uh, I think we uh, we ran along last week. I think we're gonna run short this week. That's my hope, anyways. Fingers are crossed. Hope to uh, die. Hope, uh, sorry to bum you guys out, people who like really long episodes. But all right, Ryan, you got ready anything to get new? Out of here. Uh, I don't have anything new, which is why this is going to be a shorter episode. We we, ha- could, we could no, we shouldn't do that. Do no you have way. anything new? Well, I've got this uh, this freaking walrus here. That's new. Yeah, yeah. I'm always happy when I got a new walrus around. I I do actually have to say not to you know artificially stretch out the sponsorship from the beginning of the show. I just think walrus has been kicking ass like the last year or so they yeah made so many pedals that like make it onto my board consistently like the monument the arp 87 even the contraband i really like the contraband and the iron horse version too these are all pedals that legitimately go on my board all the time <laughs> so good job walrus i'm really excited to have this new pedal around uh that's my new bit here i've got nothing else all right i uh i got nothing new we're just boring. <sighs> you still need to bring me that Fendler to put a fuse Dang on. it! <laughs> Steve's, Steve's amp journey 2018 yeah. involves one amp. What's new is that uh, 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 Bo Branton wants to drink fight you at yeah, NAM. Yeah, I'm not sure how that's going to work because I'm pretty sure I'm driving us to NAM. Yeah, but you know, you can, we'll have time. You can drink there. Maybe we can do it at an after party or something like that. It's uh, going to be so, on Saturday. So Bruce Kumquat was was messaging me, and he's like, do you think Steve will be able to to drink fight him? And I'm sorry to say it, Steve, but I think my money's on Bo. I, you know, I've, they always talk about how much he drinks, but I'm, as I'm not in... Uh, as I'm not a Patreon supporter of Guitar Nerds, I don't know how much he actually drinks. I just know that he drinks a lot. But I also know that at least generally European beer is much weaker mm. than American beer. Interesting. Uh, though I know he does drink a lot of straight uh, liquor. Right. Um, so yeah, I don't. I don't know. I just yeah. I don't really I don't, know. Here's the thing: like we've had drunk casts. Yeah. And I've seen you drink plenty, but I don't think of you as someone who drinks a lot. Like, I've known people who drink an incredible quantity of alcohol and are still present and are still existing in the social situation. You're not one of those people. Right. Well, it doesn't help me currently that I'm like a, a solid 30 pounds lighter than I was six months ago. <laughs> uh, and I've been like ramping up my metabolism. Uh I literally took my blood pressure this morning, like in one of the grocery store blood pressure cuffs. Uh huh. Which are like, always the most accurate. I mean, it's <laughs> that's what I use consistently. Sure, and, sure. But like, you know, just going off like my old numbers, like my blood pressure's dropped like twenty points on yeah. on like the higher number and like ten points on the lower number. So I'm in a much healthier state, which also means like I can't really like handle my alcohol as well as I used to. Which explains Maybe. The, the the couple episodes around the holiday season that we had. At the same time, like <laughs> probably like a lot of people, like the amount of alcohol I can drink is highly dependent on how much I eat. Because like at the oh, sure. at the Christmas party, like I don't even know how much I drank, and then I went home, but I did not drive. Uh, but I drank a lot. <laughs> you were at fine the at the Christmas party, party. And I, but I drank a lot. Yeah, like I was drinking wine in a pint glass. <laughs> That's true. You were doing that. Um, uh, I drank a bunch of wine out of a red plastic cup. And I got to say, I, I'm a fan of the experience. I feel like maybe it's the glasses I'm not big into when it comes to wine. It, right. If it's just in the right cup, then I'm into it. So Nam is uh, Nam's kind of a tough drinking scenario overall because, you know, you don't really know when your next meal is going to happen. Uh-huh. Um, I heard you're spending a lot of energy and you're not drinking a lot of water. I heard uh, the gear slum guys want to set this up for lunch on Saturday. This drinking thing. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, have it go down at lunch because it sounds like they might be setting up something like uh, they had last year. Or we had right, last year right. around the, uh, the stone, 
well, last year there was a stone van, but you know, it's kind of that question of like, it sounds like from what I've uh, heard from Bo that he's basically going to wake up and start shooting, start, uh, start shooting straight, whatever. <laughs> so he might pre- pregame. Yeah. I, don't, so. I honestly don't think this is even a thing that should happen. <laughs> I think you should enjoy your day at Nam instead of being wrecked the whole day. I haven't even, I mean, granted, uh, you know, I mean, I would, I, I'm totally looking forward to hanging out with all those guys and sharing drinks yeah. and getting rowdy. Yeah. I just don't. I don't want to see Steve passed out in the uh, the beanbag pit at now oh <laughs> over by the drum uh, area. I mean, legitimately, like we are five days into at the time of recording. We're five days into 2018, and uh, I haven't had a drink in 2018. Really? Yeah. yeah you haven't I mean, drank tonight. I haven't had uh, any reason. I mean, it's only five days. Um, I just realized. Oh, I know. Nam's the 26th. Sorry. I'm, now that I'm I know so you haven't been math. drinking, I'm feeling thirsty. Oh, man. Crack something open for yourself. I will. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if that's going to go down. And, of course, like... The it's qu- so hard to plan anything and, at Nam. And, of course, the, the real question is, is it better to just, like... Does it really matter who can drink more? Or does it just matter who's funnier when they're drunk? <laughs> I don't know. And I'm not even saying that I'm funnier when I'm drunk. I just, you know. Again, I think I'm going to put my money on both. (laughs) (laughs) You're probably not wrong. (laughs) I'm just going to sink it. Oh, man. All right, let's get into the episode. Let's uh, let's tackle this first uh, thing. This first, uh, we're calling this an ad, I guess. Well, it's it's content from our Facebook group. It's an ad. It's from Cameron Barami. He wants to. Uh, he asked the question. I'm torn between two options. Help this '90s hot rod deluxe or a Boss Katana 100. This is a USA. It says it's a USA Fender hot rod deluxe, three hundred fifty dollars. The interesting thing is, it says it's a USA Fender hot rod deluxe, but it's got like the brand new the uh, hot rod three switch on it. Right. I don't know if that's actually indicative of anything. Um, I don't know if it's mentioned because it's hard to. Uh, tell exactly what's going on here, um, but they're asking three fifty cash local pickup. That's a normal price for those, right? Yeah, uh, you can kind of get them a little cheaper uh, here and there. Really, um, like three hundred? I've seen these as low as two fifty when they're like beat up. How many watts are those things? Forty. That's a that's a gigging amp. Yeah, um, I will say like this. You owned one, right? Is uh, I did. Um, this is kind of a hacky copy paste job on the ad because it's a it says it's hot rod deluxe, all tube, forty watts, utilizes a twelve inch Celestian G twelve P eighty speaker. Um, the hot rod deluxe is blah blah blah, whatever whatever. You guys like this is one of the most common amps ever. Yeah. Um, and then it says preamp tubes just replaced with JJ's, uh, and then it says stock fender speaker, eminence legend, one twenty five fifty watts. So what is it like? Yeah, which speaker is it? Um, I always thought I I want to say that the the typical speaker in this is a eminence speaker, but I think it's like an eminence, just some OEM like Fender right. Fender special design speaker. Um, so I don't know if it's actually a legend one twenty five or what it's supposed to be. Oh, it does say new foot switch included. Everything functions perfectly. Minor nicks in the Tolex, blah, blah, blah. I know the USA ones are a little more desirable. I don't really remember why. It's been a while. So what's like the layout of these amps? It's, it's like a clean channel, three-band EQ, and a drive section, and a reverb? Yeah. So it's like your basic basic sort of thing? Basic. basic ba- basically. Uh, this isn't so a base ad. This feed. foot switch, um, the foot switch has two switches on it. One switch is drive and the other switch is more drive. Oh, really? There's no reverb and, uh, option? The reverb is just always whatever the knob is set to. Huh. Um, and So this is like your teenager special. Like, like, don't worry, kids. You got two kinds of drive here at your foot. Yeah. So so your amp, your basic setting is clean. Um, so pros of the this amp. I always liked the clean channel in this. I thought always thought the clean channel was great. Sure. I know other you think people, it's good pedal platform? I thought it was a great pedal platform when I owned one. They are like un- frustratingly loud. I've heard oh, sure. a lot of people say that. Well, the issue is is kind of like the typical that Fender jump? issue is that like at point 
when your knob's at point eight, the knob goes from uh, one, zero to 12 or something like that. Right. So when your knob's at like point eight, it's barely audible. And at <laughs> one, it's barely audible. And at 1.5, the paint is peeling off your walls. Right. <laughs> um, now, I had an attenuator on mine. And with the attenuator fully cranked, dissipating as much heat as possible, um, I think I was able to get mine up to like two and a half. Jeez. Uh, I one time did crank it all the way up. And the, and the other thing to, to go along with that is that these amps um, above like three or four don't really get any louder. They just get dirtier. Right. So you don't really have like a full range. And that's on the, that's on the clean channel, right? Um, the, uh, I've heard a lot of guys say that if you do the volume knob, uh, in the, uh, the volume knob in the effects loop trip trick, uh-huh. which is like the JHS, I think it's called the, uh, magic box maybe. Okay. Um, or any volume pedal. It's basically as far as I it gets you some extra recall, adjustment. It's just like an extra pot that you can put in your effects. Well, let, let's get, let's get into the, the um, the spirit of this post if you had to choose right now for your playing which would you choose let's say say you speculate that you might have other things like say you have a band or you have like a, a different sort of music project come up in the next five years and you're I thinking think about I, too i would lean heavily towards the katana um, interesting i'd have because i thought this whole topic was going to be us fighting out which amp well <laughs> but i i think i'm gonna agree with you you know so like i said the pros here is it's 40 watts all all tube well it's not a tube rectifier but whatever right right um the the issue is that like it's a clean pedal platform but i'm thinking like big picture like i'm thinking weight think about different things like i'm thinking uh like maybe the volume little volume box trick like really does fix a lot of the problems i don't know but there for me there are a lot of cons on this amp um the classic Negative that you hear for everything Fender, really, um, until you get to like the supersonics, uh, is that the drive channel's bad. And sure. I don't think the drive channel on the Hot Rod Deluxe is necessarily bad. It's just not that classic sound. Like, no um, one's like, oh, you got to get that Fender uh, right. distortion sound. I think the problem is that this amp suffers from shared EQ. So there's mm. one EQ, but you have three effectively... Two channels with a, and a boost right. is what you have. They, they say some people call it three channels. I don't consider the more gain a, a third channel. But you have clean. And then on your drive section, you have a volume control and a master control. So basically you have pre-gain and a master volume. Right. Um, and the EQ is whatever your EQ is because it's a shared EQ section. So you kind of have to decide, do you want your clean to sound good or do you want your drive to sound good? And in my experience, they were mutually exclusive. Right. And what I was able to do to work around this is I had a visual sound J, uh, Jekyll and Hyde. Right. And I would run the Jekyll side, which is the tube screamer side, with the gain all the way down and the volume turned up. Effectively, what that does is it in, puts a, um, a mid-boost Mm-hmm. on your signal and to me like that fixed the drive channel because i felt gotcha. like the drive channel just felt really scoopy even though my yeah. mids were cranked uh the way that i ran my cleans was with really like cranked mids because i was playing like strats or p90 so i wanted that mid push um on the drive channel the mids were just gone so i needed more which is why i use a tube screamer for so there's just like there's just issues here if you if you want that fender name if uh, if that clean channel does something special for you, then maybe uh, maybe yeah. you take a lark on it. I don't know if three fifty is a good price either. Like I, I said, I, it's okay. It's yeah. not great. I think that what it really comes down to is like, are you familiar with that Fender amp, and is that the sound that you want? If you really want that sound, then of course you should get that amp. Yeah, but. I mean, at that price point, we're not talking about like, oh, should you get like your dream amp? that is going to be your main recording amp versus uh, should you just settle for a katana because you just have the money in your pocket right now. These amps are at the same price point. Yeah. And they fill the same kind of like volume level role. And when you consider them that way, I mean, if, if you're buying an amp for a studio for recording by the Fender, 
because right. it's just going to be another tool in your toolbox as far as like tube amps go. But again, the Fender, like, and I mean, I guess if you're in a studio, you probably have ISO set up. Yeah, but, yeah. You know, it might be a harder to dial in. But if guitar. you're if you're buying an amp to be a home jamming amp and a weekly gigger, I think the Katana is gonna gonna beat it, even if it's just as a clean platform. I think the Katana is just is so convenient because it's so lightweight. Right. And it gives you a lot of options if you want them. Like, I use my Katana so simple. Like, I just use the clean channel with a couple tricks to make it sound good, which is you turn up the master volume and then you use the uh, the front volume for to adjust how loud you want to be and you use the uh, the wattage selector. Right. If you crank the master, then it saturates, like, the output transformer or something like that and it makes it sound really good. Um, so I use it that way and then adjust the gain for, you know, more of like a, a creamy sound if I'm running pedals into it, if I want to. And it's just so convenient at that price point. Like it, you know, 200 bucks. And I think it's, I think it's the winner here. I, I, it bums me out to say that in a way, like I want people to have tube amps. I want people to buy, you know, investment amps that they're going to have around a long time. <laughs> and you know the katana can be that too but it's like i feel like buying a big tube amp like that and it is relatively big it's not a mm-hmm. half stack but it's like it's not like buying a princeton where you can stick it in the corner sure. and like not think about it you buy one of those it's going to take up a bunch of space and it's going to be heavy and hard to move yeah i want to say uh, the uh the hot rod deluxe weighs in somewhere around 45 50 pounds yeah the I katana like it, 100 at least i think this is the one by 12 version uh-huh uh is there i'm not sure if there's a two by 12 version there is uh, so the one by 12 version, uh, comes in at 32 pounds, 11 ounces. It's not that different, but it's like, I've got the, the 50, which is even lighter. 10 pounds is pretty significant when you're, it is. when you're trying to get up some it's like stairs. A, it's like a gallon of milk plus, you know, a head of celery or something like that. That's like two, two, a, 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 gallon, a gallon is eight, is eight pounds. pounds. Yeah. Um, it's like a gallon of milk and two pounds of chicken. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, I think at that price point, the convenience factor of the Katana wins out. And if you want a tube amp of that size, right, you're going to have to get into territory that's much more of like a dream amp for me to be like, oh, get your dream amp, you know, mm-hmm. versus the Katana. Because I just feel like with that model of Fender amp, it's not about like, oh, this is the amp I've always wanted. This is like the amp I can afford and the amp that's around, you know? Yeah. And I know, I'm sure there's people who love that amp, but that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying it's just, you know, a very pedestrian amp. And there's nothing wrong with that. But it's if you're getting something pedestrian, go for the Katana. Yeah. If you're going with opinion. the 2x12, it is going to weigh in at a, a little over 43 pounds. So now you're really in the same ballpark. Yeah. And it's um, something that's so convenient about the Katana. You were talking about the volume jump on the Fender. The Katana is a brilliant home amp. Yeah. Like a bedroom amp, you can get it so quiet and really smoothly dial up the volume until it's right where you need it to be. It's it's an awesome bedroom amp. Well, and you know, you also have the power, like you're saying, like you have power control, so you you can run it 100 watt, 50 watt, or 0.5 watt. Yeah, 0.5 watt is like surprising. I have found myself playing with drummers and have left it on the 0.5. Yeah, <laughs> you don't need as much power as you think you do so, sometimes. So all of this run around, and, and it seems like we're both kind of leaning towards the katana. Um, I do think the hot rod series amps are a little more maligned than they deserve to be. No, I think they're um, good. I think they're good amps, but I just don't think they're anyone's dream amp for the, the most part. Right, I, but you know, people there. I think the I think the hot rod series was one of the first. Maybe not the first, but it's what I think of at least for the my age, like. Of one of the early working man's amps. Sure. It was um, like Fender's competitor against things that were coming out like the classic 50s right. and stuff like that. And I mean, the Hot Rod series and the, and the Blues Deluxe series uh, before it um, were relatively affordable. And and you did see them like bought, like early Coldplay, at least in like, again, you can, this is going off videos. And I've heard people say, oh, those are modded and whatever because whatever reason but early cold play in the videos you would see uh hot rod amps right uh the strokes um uh in strokes videos i think in reptilia even uh was supposed to be a, like a even hot reptilia, rod amp. Huh? the song yeah the song reptilia <laughs> um 
I believe, was supposed to be a, I mean, a hot rod amp. They're loud amps with a Fender sound. Yeah. And they get the job done. And it's like, if you're already using one and it does the job, then why would you stop using it? Yeah. yeah. It's that sort of thing. That's kind of how I feel about my Classic 50. It's like, it does the job. And why would I get another amp of that size unless I wanted something really super specific, which I don't really. <laughs> yeah. I never had complaints with my Hot Rod Deluxe in terms of the way it sounded. Um, I just sold it because it was ginormous yeah. and I wasn't playing a I ton think- of guitar. And uh, it was a me- kind of a mess to dial in in church. If it was a, a matter of Katana versus any other tube amp, but the criteria is it has to hit bedroom volume and you have to be able to also compete with a drummer. Right. Like not, not a massive drummer, but you know, like, you know, like a regular garage band sort of situation. Like what was, what is an amp that you would think would be a better uh, versus the Katana sort of situation? I don't know. I mean, if you have to, do, if you have to do both, in that price point too, like um, like sub, we'll say sub three fifty used is applicable. Maybe like a Vox AC fifteen. Hmm. You're still doing heavy, but at least you you're a little a little. Uh, you might be a little more bedroom friendly. Yeah. And technically you lose versatility versus the Katana anytime you go for a tube amp. But then if you like, if you know you want a tube amp, then you want a tube amp. Yeah. I don't know. I was thinking maybe like a blues junior or something like that. Right. Right. I mean the blues junior and the AC 15 kind of our head, our competitors in that regard. Maybe even one of those Excelsiors, like super simple, kind of a clean sound at low volumes, but gets drivey when you, when you crank it. Right. You know, I feel like that would be a good, you know, katana or tube mm-hmm. sort of question. Where it's like with the uh the bigger fender amp there, I keep forgetting the name. It's Hot Rod Deville, right? Yeah, the Hot Rod Deluxe is hot this Rod one. Deluxe. The Deville is the sixty watt two by twelve or four by ten version. Right, right. It's the so one. basically the hot rod if you were like to think of them, the hot rod deluxe is the classic thirty. Right, right. The hot rod deville is the classic fifty. Yeah, I forget the point They're I was trying to make. They're completely different, but yeah. you know. I don't know. It's an interesting question, and it's, it's so personal. The answer is so personal. Like, if you know that you need tubes, you need tubes. Like, I yeah. wouldn't I wouldn't buy the, I wouldn't recommend the Katana if someone was like, I really want to sound like, you know, a tube amp. Yeah. Like, you can get good sounds of the, out of the Katana, but if you want that specific thing, get that specific thing. Mm-hmm. All right, let's jump on to the topic. Yeah, this even topic, though that felt like a topic. Uh, this topic was uh, sent by Clifton Worley from of the course. Clifton Worley Show. Um, Do we know if he's going to be at Nam? I feel like he's. He might be sitting this one out. I don't remember. I think he might be summer only this year, but I really don't remember. Right. Um, he says I'd be interested in thoughts about Cower. Offering the budget mastery option, which of course is uh, the upcoming, hopefully Titan KR2. Yeah. So if you go join the uh, the Titan slash Cower Guitars discussion group on Facebook, which you should do anyways, uh, Doug has been teasing all sorts of new designs for a new version of the Titan, which he uh, is playing around with. You know, having maybe a prototype at Nam and maybe putting it sounds like maybe 10 of them into production in the next six months Hmm. but we'll see but he's been given a lot of information there and i think it looks really cool it's more of an offset style thing yeah and it's gonna have a fender offset style bridge and tremolo on it and i asked him the other day is this gonna come with a mastery or is this gonna come with like a stock fender style bridge for an offset on here like Mm -hmm. that's a big question especially with my recent acquisition of uh, the jazz master over here with a mastery on it is like, is this going to have like the problematic fender bridge or is it going to have like a, a hot rotted modern version of that, that would drive the price up because these are supposed to be like his budget line. Mm-hmm. So apparently he's been working on a plan for a while now to, he's going to use a fender style bridge on it, Yeah, but he's going to address some of the issues where he's making uh He's having thimbles made for these. The thimbles are the part that the uh, the bridge posts slide into. Right, the bushing. The bushing. And normally on a fender offset, the bridge floats in those thimbles. Like it's hollow and it rests on a needle and can rock back and forth. Right. And that causes some of the issues. It's also a benefit to people 
who want certain things out of the bridge. But it causes the bridge to be able to slide back and forth, and you can lose intonation mm-hmm. and your action, and it you know contributes to rattling and other issues. He's developing a bushing or thimble, whatever you want to call it, that will hold that bridge rock solid in the same place. So yeah. doing something similar to what the mastery does without doing all the things it does, but addressing in a major addressing a major issue of that original uh, mm-hmm. bridge. Yeah. I'm just really excited about this guitar in general. Like what what are your thoughts on it? Um, you know, I'm not like a huge vibrato guy. So right. so from that regard, like I'm kinda like, oh that's that's neat, I guess. Um, but I do like the way this thing is turning out. I know when uh, Doug was first kind of putting out the sketches of it, I, I don't know. I was kind of like a little off on the shape of it all. I really like the uh, shape. But I think it's really starting to grow on me. It looks really fast. Yeah. Uh, the, the thing that it hints at for me is uh, a Yamaha guitar that mm. Link Ray would use, where it's kind of a little sharp on the on the horns, kind of offset, you know, definitely surfy. And this is like scratching that itch of like a middle ground between something a little bit more pointy and something that definitely leans in like the Fender, like Mustang jazz master sort of direction. So I think it's a really neat looking design and I'm, I'm excited to see one in person. If there's one at Nam. I still really love the Titan KR one that I have here for doing that. I yeah. do demos with it. Yeah, That thing's fantastic. Like I, I literally, I, I've been saying it lately. It is the best playing guitar that I have right here. Like it's just flat is, I mean, there's others that are very good, mm-hmm. but the Titan is literally the best playing guitar I have. It feels like ringing a bell. Like that's what I think about the phrase I think about when I think about the Titan It's just like effortless, right? It's just fun and easy to play. Is that what that's supposed to mean? Yeah. It's just effortless. Like anyone can ring a bell, you know, can they though? Yeah, they can. As long as they have use of their some appendage that a bell could be attached to, you can ring a bell just by swinging it back and forth. You know. So I'm excited about that. Do you have anything to add to? I think that's. I that? mean, I feel like we covered that pretty. I feel like I'm being too thoroughly. chatty. I'm like stepping all over you. Let no, you, no, it's fine. Let you need to speak your piece. I don't really. I mean, I don't have a lot on this because I give me a counterpoint. So like you I said, said I haven't thought super hard about this because I'm not a uh, I'm not a trem guy. So right, I think I do think that um, the decision to be because people have been trying you know trying to do big or Bigsby's on the KR ones. I think the decision on the whole to just kind of be like have nah, a dedicated trem. We're going to be simple. And let's do a dedicated trim model. I think I think that yeah. makes a lot of sense. And those stock fender parts are really affordable. Yeah. Like you can get a, a bridge and tremolo combo. And I'm sure he gets, you know, wholesale prices or whatever. Right. But as a as retail prices, you can get the bridge and the trim for like sixty bucks or something. Yeah, and like it that. sounds like he'll be able with these new bushings to uh because I guess that's the thing with the mastery is that the post on the mastery bridge is a bigger post, so it doesn't right. rock. Um, so by adjusting the size of the well, it has bushing, its, it has its own custom bushings or thimbles, or whatever oh, okay. you want to call you it. You have to, br- so you have to take out the. It has a whole system, huh? Yeah, it's it's like this double screw system. I haven't even adjusted mine yet because okay. I looked at it and was like, nope, I'm not going to deal with that right now. Right, it's kind of complicated in there. Uh, but then you know, anytime you get into an offset style guitar with an offset style bridge, you start doing like your own modifications and figuring yeah. out what flavor works for you. So. It'll be exciting to see what people come up with with the uh, the KR2. I'm sure people are going to buy them up. There's a lot of people who are fans of these guitars now. So looking forward to checking them out. Uh, do we have anything else to say about it? I think that's it, right? That's the second time you've asked that question, so I, I know, think the right? answer now is officially no. I feel like I'm I'm really tired today, and I'm going in circles, so you got to <laughs> help guide me through the, All right, the bramble here, Steve. This next ad was sent by uh, Alan Chapel. This is an Ibanez 420ES. This is made for speed. Strong with nines and action so low, a credit card barely clears between the strings and frets. It plays speed solos only with thick picks. Yeah. Use thin picks or inquiries will be disregarded. Purchasing party agrees to only use guitar for speed soloing and only to run it through a loud half stack with tons of distortion and a stereo course pedal and a delay. Pickups are hotter than anything you own. 
For consideration, <laughs> please submit a video of you doing arpeggios faster than a metronome can keep up with over the winger backing track of your choice. $1,000 firm also include pick thickness. So I wish we had full pictures of the guitar because it looks like there's something really interesting going on here with like this 3D kind of like cut out on the top. Right, right. But I just thought the description of this ad was hilarious. Just thick picks only. Please, you know, include videos of you sweet picking and all this sort of stuff. Uh I'm actually trying to sell my Ibanez right now. Right. I've got, what is the number, like the 480 or something like um, that? I don't know. I forget. I don't know. I forget what, what it is. Um, I've, I've got an Ibanez RG for something. But okay. I'm, I can't even find this model for what it's worth. You it look looks up, like something kind of custom. Yeah, I've never it seen this. It says it's a 420 EG, but when I pop that in, like nothing comes back. So I'm yeah. wondering if it was like a, some kind of typo. But yeah, I'm, I'm selling my Ibanez right now just because I bought it over a year ago, I think. Mm-hmm. And I really have not used it at all. I, I did uh, the Metal Zone demo with it because I had that uh, Keeley Mammoth modded Metal Zone. And I just don't ever have a reason to bust out a super shreddy guitar with a Floyd Rose on it. And I thought maybe I would get back into it because I that was my first electric guitar is a Floyd Rose shreddy sort of thing. I'm just not interested in playing it. I feel like, is it bad to say that that's like a grown-up thing? I feel like I'm a more grown-up guitar player now that I don't want to just grip it and rip it. I mean, it's what it is. Uh, the Ibanez RG420EG is a limited-run RG series guitar introduced in 2008. So they had like different finishes, uh, all three-dimensional. This one is brick. Oh, that's dumb. Um, this one I th- I remember the brick ones. I remember seeing those in store. The uh the one that's like a spider web I think is also kind of in the series. I feel um, like I like the spider web more than the brick. I actually am not like if you you if you get a brick textured guitar like that, you really run the risk of a stand up comedian standing in front of you and doing their doing their bit. Oh, because yeah, like stand yeah. comedians always have like a brick yeah, wall behind this him. particular one like, that, Lu- that Louis the- CK is going to walk up to you and he's going to like put his hand on the guitar and start doing his bit. And who knows where that hand's going to end up? Wow. <laughs> uh, this particular one actually looks like it could be uh, some kind of refinish, actually, because I'm only finding this. Uh, this is called the bio oh, armor. Oh, interesting. And uh, it's all black. And the one that's in the image is green. So you think he um, filled in the the low spots so with green? So it's possibly possible that it was some kind of refinish. He doesn't mention that. And what do you I think will he's go also for? say that um, I'm only seeing these listed on Reverb at like thirteen hundred dollars. Well, which his seems price like is a, fairer than he's he's asking a grand. Yeah, it seems like it sounds like a lot to me. Well, there's cer- s- there's certain Ibanezes that are like built to that dollar value sure it just i think because the, the brick thing makes it such a gimmick it looks like a dumb gimmick right well and it's weird because like i'm seeing other ones that are like 300 dollars at guitar center so i don't know if this reverb listing is just like off the rails huh, yeah or or what exactly is going on like the beehive white is 400 on ebay uh, but another beehive white is on reverb at 1350 so it kind of just makes me think that Someone on reverb is going crazy. Yeah. I don't know. Is this, is this, uh, I don't know. What, how thick a pick do you think <laughs> you need to play this guitar? <laughs> the thickest. You need one of those big acrylic ones from Gravity. That is what I use. Maybe yeah. this is a guitar it's for funny, me. It's funny that I'm the more shreddy player here in the room, but you use a heavier pick than me. Like I use I use just what's basically a Fender style heavy pick. Right. Well, that's what I used to use. Didn't like, you used to use those nylon ones, the super bendy ones? I mean, I've used all the different kinds of picks. Yeah. Um, I've never. I've used to use. Um, My secret I, Santa sent me a couple wood picks that I need to oh, do some really? content with. I think which would be super original. I don't think there's any other podcast that's covered wood picks. So. <laughs> I'll just get into nope, that. Nobody. Yeah. Um, the None li- that I can think of. The lightest pick that I've used on electric guitar comfortably is like the Dunlop. I think it's whatever the orange one is. Uh-huh. Um, and I slowly started like move up and down around there. 
but whatever the orange one is, is like similar thickness to the Fender Mediums, but it's stiffer. Right, right. Um, I want to say it's the point six some the point six oh or the point seven three somewhere around there. Anytime I use a pick that's lighter than a Fender Medium. I feel like I'm either going to break it or that I'm having to dig in way deeper than I normally would to get the uh, the response that I like to get out yeah. of the string. I've used nylons like on acoustic. Yeah. Uh, those Dunlop nylon picks. I've used those on acoustic guitars. I've used the really light ones, the which again, I think are around like 0.6. So they're not super light, but... 0.6 in a nylon is very flexible. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I've also used the one millimeter, which is l- like a lot stiffer, but still fairly soft sounding. Yeah. Um, but I've also used like ultra thin, like stainless steel chrome picks. So it's thin <laughs> and really like, yeah, really rigid. The, the, um, the sound that those, I'm not usually like, oh, this pick sounds bad, but the metal picks have just this like, scrapey sound to it even when you're trying to not make them scrape they just have a scrape to them. right but yeah late for the last couple two three years i've almost exclusively been using gravity picks on all uh all three uh guitar bass electric guitar acoustic guitar and bass i've been using gravities um and i've used the v picks as well and so in general um a little bit of it is uh the acrylic pick i like the the way acrylic feels, but then some, I've also have one pick that is, uh, what satellite amps, uh, is using for their branding. I don't know what the make of it is, but it's a, it's a thicker pick. It reminds me of like the Dunlop, um, uh, stubby. Maybe it's, I have a base, an old Dunlop base pick that this reminds me of, but it's, it's polished. So it's like very slick. Hmm. Um, I, I know what you're talking about. And uh, I, so I really like, I think it's just the acrylic or these like the polished celluloid picks. Like they just tend to be really smooth. I think there's something about that. Because even like, like Fender, like the Fender heavies, I'll use a Fender heavy from time to time, but I can only use um, like the polished celluloid Fender heavies. Huh. Uh, and sometimes the tortoiseshell ones are okay, but like the classic celluloids, Hate them. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not big into the classic celluloids. I like. I like the uh, the tortoise shell ones. Uh, I'm fine with like the Dunlop Tortex style thing. Right. Uh, I've been getting the same gauge from uh, Gear Supply for a while. And that's what's all over my house right now. But I just feel like with the acrylic picks that are super heavy, like they don't have any flex to them at all. They're just right. rock solid. No. But I, I use Fender heavies and even though they're heavy, they still have a little bit of yeah. like a flick to them. Mm-hmm. They, they, res- they, they'll bend a little bit against the string and give me a little bit of an extra flick, which is what I like. Uh, it's something to be really particular about is, is your picks, I guess. Like anytime I borrow a pick from someone and it's not close to what I use, it's like, oh gosh, I gotta deal with this. And yeah. now I, that's that's why I always keep my brand in my little jean pocket there. I'm <laughs> never without. All right, let's move on. Uh oh gosh, this next topic. All right, yeah, I'm, gonna let, topic's a I'm little, gonna let you take the take the helm on this I one. I don't know how long we're gonna go on this, because uh, it sounds like maybe only I have something to say about it, and it's a long question. I've but always got something to say, but uh Andrew Smith says I'm a relatively new listener and like with all new podcasts, I find I start at the beginning of the year or the earliest episode I can find. So he says he's about currently halfway through twenty flip teen, uh, which means he's only got like a hundred or so episodes until he catches up. Um, he says, uh, so you may have talked about this. I don't know if we have, but, uh, we've addressed similar sorts of things. Basically what he wants to know is how do you feel about Christian radio station? K love, you know, anything about it that you can tell your listeners. And is there some sort of corporate thing that keeps some Christian bands off that station? For example, I've heard, uh, covers of songs from like big name artists that if you are, I'll, I'll just, Without naming names, basically there are um, there's a thing in the Christian music industry where big name artists will cover songs by lesser known artists, and those are the songs that get the air, the big airplay. Sure, and you see it. I think you see it more per capita. It's effectively the equivalent of everybody knows Hendrix's "All Along the Watchtower," but nobody cares about Bob Dylan's version, except that Bob Dylan was like also popular. Right. Um, so it's, uh, a, it's a poor comparison. It, it's 
not the poorest comparison. No, I, I, I see what you're getting at. Um, but it's also like interesting because within like Christian music, like praise and worship, it's definitely a, a very strong cover culture where people are playing each other's songs and doing different right, versions right. of but, each other's songs. But it's like it's that thing where like as players, that's a thing because it's a it's a cover band life effectively. Right, right. But you don't necessarily expect to hear that from the radio. So, so the first thing is K Love. Like I listen to it. Because it's a really safe choice when I have kids in the car. Uh-huh. I don't have to like worry about what's going on. I can kind of just tune in and tune out. Um, I listen to it because I'm, sometimes I'm just listening for like new music to do with the sure with my church job. Sure, and occasionally I can do stuff. But at the same time, like when I hear songs that I actually know or the like the album versions of those songs, sometimes it's really aggravating because they do like they will take songs that are like four or five minutes long but they're not like a drawn out four minutes and then they cut like all of the instrumental sections out of it to cut to take it down to like three minutes and it's like really um so that's been been kind of frustrating as far as um hearing the cover versions of the songs i i do i do find that kind of weird and again like it is a thing that happens um in pop music as as like mainstream pop music as well but like i said i think per capita you don't you don't see it as much and i don't know why that is specifically but i do think it ties into an idea that i remember hearing for the first time maybe 10 years ago maybe longer um that k-love is effectively like all radio, all radio is trying to every every format is trying to cater to a specific group of people. Oh, of course. Um, you know your your top forty stations, uh, your hot top forty stations. So they're playing Billboard Hot One Hundred and whatever. Right, right. They're trying to cater to like the you know fourteen to twenty five bracket, basically. Yeah, yeah. Your your alt rock station is probably largely like if you looked at their uh bracket right now they're probably trying to cater to a 28 year old dude named scott um (laughs) your uh your you know adult contemporary stations are are trying to uh attract like more of like uh women who like graduated high school in 1987 and have also have kids in the car. You have so really they, they specific won't. ideas about well, these. Well, so where I'm going with this is is for the Christian radio stations for K-Love and to a lesser extent to Air One, which is like a slightly more rock version of K-Love and only slightly, uh, there is a... Um, I Somebody, uh, one of the forums I, I uh, used to be on uh, who worked for in the Christian radio industry said that there is a like 36 like 36 year old stereotype of I should say is a stereotype that in the industry was like a 36 year old woman who I think her name was Becky okay um or Jennifer or something like that um some generic white girl name that had two kids effectively like a full-time soccer mom that is who Caleb is trying to right. cater to. So kind of like the purpose that I listen to it for, like one, it's safe with the kids. Like that's why this person is tuning into the car. She listens for hours a day because she's taking the kids everywhere. It's not any different with, with non-Christian radio. Right. But, but meaning all other radio. Right. <laughs> it's uh, like they have their demographic in mind. They have like their, you know, the local new metal station is trying to reach a dude named Chad who's, you know, he's in his fifth year of college or whatever. <laughs> yeah. So, so I, the difference, the, the real difference is that, um, that, that target demographic, I think is a lot less flexible. Sure. So right now the 25 year old named, you know, the 25 year old Chad college student wants to listen to the newest, uh, Metallica song, but the newest Metallica song doesn't sound like, the Metallica song that the 25-year-old Chad of 1991 wanted to listen to. Right. Like, those genres have changed a lot more, whereas I think, like, even though they're newer songs that are coming out on, like, K-Love, like, it's still kind of following, like, 
an well, old, I think there's uh, a, a less dynamic formula. I mean, your your any station's always going to go for the 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 artist that's more well known, right? And in, in the unique situation in praise and worship and Christian music that everyone's doing these covers, so of course you're going to go with the more well known band that's doing the same song, and maybe it's been tooled to be a little bit better for radio play or something like that. Yeah, and, and, and it's definitely like a really you know things get so weird once you incorporate religion into a business model like it yeah. just feels weird and i think because the the pop part of that market is a lot tighter um it's harder to break like break the big names so to speak right so you know i use the example of metallica but you think about all of the different bands that have been on like hard rock stations sure. in the last like 10 years like you know, you got your Disturbs and your Seethers and your Metallicas and your, you know, 20, geez, 20 years, almost 20 years ago, you got your Creeds and whatever. Disturbed, that were all kind of, is Disturbed the one that, that does did the Sound the, of Silence? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So is it is that like a parallel where it's like someone who hear, who listens to a radio station that plays that song might not even know it's a cover? And then someone who is aware of the cover, they're, they're not going to ask, "Hey, how come this station doesn't play Simon and Garfunkel?" In a sense, <laughs> I, I, you know, even though the song is essentially exactly the same, the problem yeah, I have with that, yeah, re- that's that song is that the version is so close that it's like, why not just listen to the original? Just because he has a little bit more growl in his voice. Yeah, I mean, there, there's a little, there's a little more difference. I and I think that would be the that would be the the difference. It would be more like I can't believe I used that as a reference. I know, I, feel I know. Gross now. Um, there's a there's a okay Aerosmith you remember that song don't want to miss a thing right from Armageddon right right, right. everyone knows that song yeah everyone With, our age within anyways. within a couple years of that song coming out a country version came out oh I bet and was also a big hit on country stations but the country stations don't play Aerosmith. And if you exclusively listen to country music and you never watch the movie Armageddon, uh-huh. you wouldn't know that that was an Aerosmith song. And vice versa, the song, the stations that played the Aerosmith version of that song weren't ever going to play the country version right, of that right. song. So I think it's more like that where, where well, even there, at least there's a genre shift. Yeah. Like, we're, like the problem with Caleb is that it's the same genre. Yeah, it's literally like an artist doing and the same an almost the same version. Potential audience. It's yeah. just a matter of yeah. one artist is more famous than the other. I have I have one semi-related story to this. Like, do uh, you remember the band that did that song, Kryptonite? Uh, yeah. What was the band? Uh, but anyways, that song used to get played here when it came out on, you know, like the local alt rock stations or whatever. Kryptonite. Mm-hmm. And I was driving around with a friend and listening to his radio stations and he had on a hip hop station. Right. And they started playing the same song. Mm-hmm. But the funny part was when it got to where the guitar solo was, it just was completely cut out. Interesting. Like they completely cut out the extra like guitar content and just turned it into a pop song. Right. For like this hip hop station. And so it was like Someone who heard it all the time on that station would never know that there was missing content. And I almost wonder if there are multiple versions that I never heard that were made for other formats, yeah. you know? There are, well, you know, they're not even making different versions. Like the artist isn't. Right. You know, somebody in a studio is chopping it up. There are two different songs uh, from the last decade or so that uh, feature Kanye West. Uh-huh. As like a featured artist, like who does a basically does like a rap bridge or something, um, that when they play those songs on the on like the adult contemporary stations, all the Kanye West parts are out. Oh, really? Yeah, they just cut the rap part out. Yep. There's just there's either a replaced bridge or there's no bridge. That's funny. Yeah, it's really to, me, that like to feels, me it's really disheartening. That feels racist. It it kind of does because it's like oh, got to get some people can't handle you know. A, someone having like a black person rapping in this song or if it was Eminem on that same station, do you think they would cut it? Like if it was Eminem featured on uh, the song? Actually, I think there is one, uh, one Eminem song that does get played on the same stations. <laughs> um, but, but we're that- like, like cutting, cutting the guitar solo out of kryptonite 
that's in no way ever feels racist. Right. <laughs> it's just like, oh, well, some and, people, and, and in some people case, don't want to hear an instrumental part. And I guess the Eminem song is different because if you cut his part out of the song, you'd be cutting out like half the song because it's it's more of a duet. I think it's actually oh, okay. might be... I'm not sure if it's his song, but I know he has a much more... Like, he has verses in it. He's not just doing sure, a bridge. Sure. But it still, it does feel a little gross. At least yeah. to me. It feels like they think their demographic can't handle hearing yeah. rap. So, uh, Andrew, I hope you hear this episode in two years and uh, you remember <laughs> asking this question. Um, that was a little He's insight. never going to make it. Uh, that was a little insight it. into uh, that, I guess. Um, I don't know. I feel like, like we've said, hit the stage of the night like where we're, all radio. we're just rambling and none of this is going to be coherent or interesting. But then people are going to be like, wow, really good episode. I think your best episode in months. And I'm going to be like, Really? That's kind of how it seems like it happens. All right, this yeah. last ad was sent by Ryan Bales. He left a comment. I wonder if these would work as one of those guitar triller things. This is in the Marion County buy sell trade. <laughs> Raccoon <laughs> penile ivory. I have seven, three bucks a piece, or twenty dollars for all of them. <laughs> so some animals have a little literal bone in their boner. Uh, I think walruses have them. And obviously raccoons have them. They have an actual bone in their penis. And apparently this guy collects them. Which is, is that normal? Did people collect raccoon boners? I don't know anything about Marion County. Marion, this is Marion, Is that the Ohio, raccoon, raccoon boner capital of America? Oh man! Well, so the first one, the guy gives you like a size compare. The picture, he, you know, he wants to give you a size comparison. So he's which got, I don't think is fair to the he's raccoons. Big lighter uh, <laughs> next to it, and it's a Playboy big logo, big lighter. Do you think? I mean, it, as far as the scale of raccoons go, do you think these are are big uh, penis bones? You think these are something to write home about? <laughs> I mean, he's, I just he's know got them arranged like smallest to largest, which yeah, I, I also just, think is kind of humiliating. I just wanted to know if you thought this would be functional as a guitar triller. Oh, 100%. You could definitely trill with these. It'd probably be way more interesting than trilling with the actual triller. Yeah, it'd probably give you better tone because oh, it's bone. Yeah, get that bone tone. Yeah, There's just, the title of the episode got right a, there. You got a bone nut. You got a you got a <laughs> bone bridge. Bone, bone down. And then uh, you got a bone triller. Yeah, bone, he's got to move this ad to the guitar section for sure um i don't know man i, I don't really <laughs> i would I, I got would, nothing if i was gonna go down this road I'd, if i was gonna go down this road i'd probably want to track down uh penile bones from bigger animals and uh just get them a little bigger i think they look a little bit too small to have the mass to trill really well like this well, is it's more really like, going to come down to that density. Yeah, you need a little bit more weight in your penis bone if you're going to trill with it. Um, you know, if there, if like an animal, like maybe like a, like a pig, like if there was a big pig that had a, a penis bone that was bigger, that would have the mass. I feel like a walrus penis bone would be way too big, um, but something kind of in between there. Like where it's kind of like the size of like a, a pork rib. You know what I mean? Get, just get a little bit bigger and you're ha- going to have the mass behind it to really get your bounces off the string and really move that string with your, uh, with your, with your penis bone. With your dick bone is what I'm talking about. Is this sort of thing where like if you were in the position where you could become like a famous musician and you used one of these, it would be the stuff of legend. It'd be like, sure. In sure. This, this one, is, in this that is song, Brian, Brian may using a pence. Yeah. It, in that one song, when he plays that solo where it just sounds really crazy, he's using a raccoon's penis bone. Did you know raccoons have bones in their penis? It's true. <laughs> <laughs> And he uses it to play guitar. You got to have that raccoon boner tone if you want to nail that guitar part. Can we can we buy this and send it to John Mayer and he can start using them? Like this is the next thing, dude. Get him so popular soon. 
the raccoon population in America is going to be decimated. I mean, everyone's, you can, you can jump onto the Marion County buy, sell, trade, and see if they're still available. Twenty dollars for I all of them. I don't think you can harvest these without killing a raccoon, right? Probably not. And what if you catch a lady raccoon and you don't know it, and you're like, "Dang it, this one doesn't have the uh, the tone boner." I need that tone boner bone. <laughs> this has been our best ad in a long time, Steve. Don't waste this. This is our golden moment. <laughs> I feel like you've hit like all of the uh, the puns here. Hit, hit me with another uh, uh, penis pun, Steve. I mean, here's the thing. Okay, so you had a triller, right? Yeah. And we know what the learning curve is on that. Uh, what <laughs> I want to know have a bigger curve. What I want to know is uh, is how how hard would it be to learn with this? <laughs> there's do, you, a, do you think? Do you think there's, there's a pretty stiff learning curve, Steve? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely you know, having a lot spend a lot of time hands on with these. But hey, when uh whenever you need to put it away, you can just stick it in there. Yeah, just stick it slide it in your pocket. All right, I think I'm all out. I don't think we have anything better to Speaking say. Speaking of wild animals, raccoon, let's, uh... raccoon phalluses. Are you, are you done? <laughs> Remember when you told me this was going to be a shorter episode? I know. I wish it was shorter. And then it was a longer episode. Oh, gosh. All right. uh, I guess we're going to thank our sponsors now. Yeah. uh, Thanks for enduring all this penis talk about raccoon penises. Um, Big thanks to Sinusoid. Uh, When it comes to raccoon penises, they have nothing to do with them. Instead of raccoon penises, they deal with cables. really exceptional guitar cables and other kinds of cables. You could get like an IC cable made for uh, your your pedal board or your amp or whatever with really attractive tech flex on it. They're big supporters of our show. They're really great guys that we love hanging out with and interacting with on a regular basis. And uh, if you are looking for a cable company to be your go-to guys... I think you should go with Sinusoid because they support this show and we support them because we really believe in what they do and they believe in what we do. And if you can't trust us, why are you even listening to us? Uh, Oh, it's probably because you like to hear jokes about raccoon boners. All right. uh, (laughs) Big thanks to Walrus Audio as well. Uh, Go check out our demo for the new Fathom Reverb on our YouTube channel, though there will be a link in the description. Um, Like Sinusoid, Walrus Audio is a... Been a big support of the show. I yeah, think. they've, they've, uh, been we've really done great what for us. four, five, six pedal demos for oh, them over time. Yeah, and like uh, I was saying, more. like the last like year or so of pedals that I've gotten from them, like just I feel like every single one of them was a winner. Not that the older ones weren't, it was like everything they come out with just connects with me somehow. It's like they're making pedals just for me. Yeah, and I'm I'm a big fan of this one. I think it's going to find a permanent home in my uh, my church rig. Just because it's got that really nice, lush, ambient sound and that momentary switch that gets you get full, uh, full time on it. What would be like the full delay mix on it? Full re- reverb mix. Man, it's been a long day. I cannot talk right or say the right words. It's a reverb pedal. It sounds great. Go watch the demo. All right, Steve, what song are uh, we going to play now? This song was sent to us by Lucas Rivers. Uh, he says, here's a new song my band is just putting out. Uh, at least when he sent this back in October. It was released on October 14th, 2017. The band's name is Young Babylon. They're based in Nanaimo, British Columbia, okay, Canada, and mostly do pop indie stuff. Um, he says, for the song, I'm simply playing a Mexican Strat into a cranked Vox AC15C2 with just a slight boss CE2 adding some sparkle in the chorus. Uh, this song is called Put My Heart Out. It's by Young Babylon. Uh, go check it out. The Can't song is on it. Spotify. So are we. We are. Yeah. Okay. Later, guys. Oh, send us songs. Yeah, send us more songs. We're running out. I mean, we're always running out. Just send them to us. Bye. Later. Later.